When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. You know, or, or the Reebok, that, that kind of size stadium. It was that high. It was that the bad. Reebok, that's it, massive. It, it, it landed. <laughs> in, that, that's no how, but have you seen this? That's how bad it was. It was practically vertical, honestly. Hello and welcome once again to The View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. Uh, very glad to have you along for the ride. I'm Danny Kelly. I'm joined today by The Athletic's Tim Spears um, and James Moore. Um, let me just give you a quick feel for what we're going to be doing over the next, it says 35 minutes in the podcast handbook, but you know how this one goes, don't you? Um, we'll be uh, trying to uh, unpick and unpack um, the drama at the Vitality on Saturday. Um, there'll be some transfer rumours for you as we head towards January. Um, it's a year since Antonio Conte got the gig. Jack Pitbrook has written a large piece about it in The Athletic. and We'll be talking about Jack's views and your views about exactly where we are. Um, and we have to look ahead to what should have been a formality, but the uh, VAR intervened as so Tuesday night's game in France suddenly becomes a shootout. We'll talk about that as well. Looking forward to all of it. Guys, we have to start, I think, um, with the Bournemouth game, Bournemouth 2, Spurs 3. Um, and, you know, at the risk of making a speech, let me start here by saying that Antonio Conte, um, normally I would say uh, there's nobody, not anybody on the planet knows more about football than me. Uh, you know, starting from Pep Guardiola and working down. Franz Beckenbauer, no way, Franz, stand down, mate. Um, but Antonio Conte is starting to convince me that I do know actually nothing, jack shit about football. Everything that he does is contrary to what I would do. Everything that Spurs do is not the way I would want to see it done. They picked a ludicrous team at Bournemouth with just two forward players against a mid-table team. Unless you're prepared to convince yourself under torture that Ryan Sessegnon is a forward player. Essentially, they played two forwards um, against Bournemouth. It was ludicrous. Of course, they played rotten, went down. Uh, two goals to nil. And yet by the end of the game, they'd had 20 corners. 19, is it? Or 20 corners. Their XG to go into uh, the the world that you two inhabit was gigantic. And once again, they find themselves a third of the way through a season where I think they've been disputably useless at times. They're getting two points per game, which if you extend that to the end of the season, will give them 76 points. They're best for years. And we'll get you into the Champions League because Arsenal and Manchester City are gobbling up so many of the available points that will get you into the Champions League. And with a bit of luck on Tuesday, they'll also be into the last 16 of the Champions League. I don't know how they're doing it. It's magic. It's alchemy. It's rotten to watch at times. And uh, all right, Antonio, uh, so far, I'll have to go with it. I know nothing about football. The things you're doing, whether they are... And it's Halloween we're recording this. Whether it's pure magic with a K... Or luck, I just don't know. Um, you were there, Tim. I bet you after an hour, you didn't think we were going to be saying positive things about the team and Antonio Conte. 
I don't know how they did it either, Danny, but I'm, I'm just glad from a personal selfish point of view that the curse is lifted because yes. I, was, I, I was genuinely thinking about what's it going to be like walking into the office with an editor as a Spurs fan, a commission editor as a Spurs fan, because uh, this, this curse has, has got a bit of traction, um, but it's lifted. Uh, I don't know how they did it. Um, First of all, sorry, very, very quickly, on the positives, well done, team. It was a brilliant comeback. And that's just Spursy. When people ask me to define Spursy as the NCR, that's Spursy. Go two down and have 20 corners and win the game. Fantastic. Sorry, Tim. Um, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was a pivotal win. It's, I think it's, it's easy to say that, and and it, and it may be, but it was certainly important that they didn't lose this game because, uh, 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 as you rightly point out, after an hour, a truly a truly diabolical situation of, of of successive Premier League defeats, and this would have been the worst of the lot. I mean, Bournemouth, you know, okay, they they played to their strengths, but but Kiefer Moore up front, um, he's a good player, but he's not he's not the best in the world, is he? And it was pretty miserable. They were playing so poorly. This first half, second half thing just carries on week after week. The more I see it, the more I think part of it is deliberate. Um, certainly not going two goals down. Obviously, that wasn't part of the plan. But in terms of, you could see them not not expending as much energy in the in the first half. And I think he thinks that because they're possibly the fittest team in the league in his eyes. You know, we saw them thrown up on the side of the pitch in the summer. That as games goes on... I was throwing up on the side of the his, pitch you know, at Bournemouth. Say, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not a sign of fitness, is it? Throwing up at the side... It might be a sign you've... In no circumstances, you've done a lot of running. But in general, I wouldn't cite that as the indication that they're fit. I mean, I reckon if I did that pre-season, I'd be throwing up on the side of the pitch as well. And I'm definitely not fit. Oh, God. It's, but Tim, it's your job to to dissect how he's doing this and what they're doing, by which I mean the players. I'm just trying to work out what why why the why the discrepancy every single match between first half and second half performances. Um, that is the only explanation, isn't it? I think it, mu- it must be like well, it's something keep, keep it you know, tight, stay in the game, and then the second half we attack it. Surely, it just I seems think so. I mean, it's, 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 it's something that Nuno used to do very deliberately at Wolves, actually, because they, they were one of the fittest teams in the league. But also, he felt. When Wolves were in the Championship, I remember he felt that when um, teams would make their subs in the second half, they would automatically be weaker because it's weaker players coming on. And then his team would take control in, in the second half and the final minutes with their superior fitness and superior squad. And the squad thing doesn't back up with, with Conte and Spurs, but there must be something deliberate in terms of in terms of energy, I think, and fitness. Well, the, your, your belief in the team and the players and what's going to happen, not yours, I mean Nuno's in this case, um, it, it's ca- carrying a lot of weight there, isn't it? Because, yeah, yeah. for instance, let's let's be honest. Uh, you know, you can get one of your um, James's many, many teenage minions to tell me again what their figure is if you concede the first goal. How many times you win the Premier League? For instance, so that was four and a half years since Spurs last turned around a two-goal deficit. So conceding early or conceding the first goal, what that is a guarantee of not winning games normally. Um, so this thing is hanging around the first half um, like waiting for a bus. Um, yeah. nonsense utter nonsense well, 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 it, well it relies on defensive solidity that, that's what it has to have and Spurs ho, just ho, don't have ha, ha, <laughs> Spurs just don't have that at the moment and yeah, I think it's the first time they've come from 2-0 down away from home in the league since since the Arsenal win uh, in 2010 oh you just cut Bulls header beautiful hang on let me, ju- let me just taste that game again mm. oh oh, that is delicious James James help this fella because he's not watched Spurs for as long as you I mean what is going on truthfully I, 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 yeah, I can't really comprehend that as an approach. I mean, it does seem utterly, utterly crazy to me that, that you... And I mean, you know, we're kind of projecting this now. It's like it is still a theory. Conte may come out during the World Cup or in the second half of the season and say, this is what we were doing and this is why. Um, one, I would say, 
it's not going to be any less mad in the second half of the season, is it? In terms of like the the, the cadence of matches, there'll still be two a week most weeks, I'd say. So they've got this Man City game that got knocked back. Um, they have to Plus squeeze our in three somewhere. cup runs. At least two European games, one way or another. Um, and we didn't celebrate that last week. The Spurs are at least in the. In are they Europa right? They League can't finish bottom, yeah, they can't the group, finish bottom no. of the group. Okay, I think right. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, Mind you, yeah, the, the quality of teams that are suddenly in the Europa League. Well, that's you, true. You want to be well out of that, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just uh, look. Uh, the, the, the bare essence of it is, and, and this is probably less of a thing for Tim than it than it is for me or you, or for the people listening. I suspect it's just bad to watch. <laughs> I, I, Spurs should have enough quality, you know, despite all of the kind of you know, uh, 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 forelock tugging and whatever else in the last few weeks about the quality of the squad. They should have enough to go to Bournemouth, uh, and in the first hour of a game, w- win the game. You know, we know that they do have enough quality in that squad. And yes, obviously you're missing Kulusevski and Richardson, which does make it a lot more difficult. But they should have enough there to go there and be 2-0 up after an hour and then be able to start slowly making those changes. And then you play, then you sit back and defend. Is that not the way to approach it? Oh, I mean, and, and what's the difference in reality? This is, this You're giving yourself a better chance of winning the game. This is why he's hypnotising me into thinking I know nothing about football because, of course, you are right in theory... Um, but you know, you're, you're, I'm not wrong, am I? Spurs have. If you woke up, if you've been in, a, in God, God forbid, if you'd been in a coma and you woke, oh, Spurs are third, um, and they've got a pr- pretty good goal difference, and they looks like they're going to get through in the Champions League with a bit of with a following wind. You'd say, oh, they're doing very well, aren't they? And yet we have this conversation most weeks now. I mean, the fa- I also would say we're far enough into the season now for it to not be like a complete anom- anomaly. No, that's like, the way you know, they are. Six six or seven games in, you can kind of say, well, that's not going to last. And in fact, I think some people were saying that. We may have even said it on this podcast. But when you're there after, where are we now? 12 or 13 matches. We're a third of the way through the season. A third of the way through the season. Yeah. That's pattern now, <laughs> as, yeah. As, look, it, we may do it begrudgingly. And I, and I genuinely, I generally think that, Danny, you and I are aligned in our thinking here. We do have to take our hats off to, to to the manager and say, if this was the plan, it has worked. Yes, because they're third in the league, point, and yeah. I don't think we, you and I, or anyone else, could conceive of a world where, ignoring who's top for a second, where Spurs would be third in the league at this point of the season. Like, like I think we looked at it and said they had quite a difficult start with yeah, the away games. games. Obviously, yeah. they've avoided that Man City game, which maybe they would have lost. Maybe they would have won like last season. Who knows? Um, I know. But yeah, with, with Manchester United away, <laughs> Arsenal away, Chelsea away, West Ham away. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, tricky start. I, it wasn't, it's not been an especially easy start of the season. It's not like they've avoided all of the most difficult games. They've, they've got them out of the way, really. And actually, if you look at it, home form has been good the last two results aside. If they can continue decent home form in the second half of the season, you would have thought away form logically would lift a little bit just on the basis of who they're going to be playing against. I mean,. Uh, it's not impossible, is it? They could sustain that, but and, and it's great. It's been it's been an absolute dog to watch. It's been it's been one of the least enjoyable Friday, seasons I can Friday remember. It's bizarre. That... Friday afternoon, twenty four hours before the game, I got two injections. I got the flu jab and I got the COVID, my COVID top up. But by half time in that game against Bournemouth, I wish they had a third one. And some kind of opiate had been injected straight into my eyeball so I wouldn't have to watch what I was watching. But, you know, all right, let me, let me ask another question then, Tim. Since it's all questions for Tim, mystery questions. The theory is you stop Kane and Son. Bournemouth stopped Kane and Son, and yet Spurs won 3-0. So who were the important players, or was it just the team? 
turning well, around. It was, it, was, <clears throat> it was interesting. Tactically, they didn't really change, actually, as, as the game went on. The, the very, very, very clear tactic was to get it wide, was overlaps on the flanks, was to win corners. So Bournemouth have conceded more, more goals from corners than anyone Spurs else. Have scored Spurs more. have scored more from corners Incredible. than anyone else. Incredible. That's another thing um, he's done that I didn't think was possible, to be fair to him. So it's a very deliberate tactic, either to cross the ball mostly low into the box or or to win corners. Um, and like I said, that, that didn't really change from minute one onwards. In terms of driving force, I mean, Hoiberg and Bentancur were, were absolutely superb in, in, the, in that last half an hour, um, arguably with Kane, you know, Spurs' standout players this season. But it was interesting also how much the, um, the centre-backs played their part in an attacking sense. So... From again, from minute one, and I could see this because I was I was right behind Conte, hence the the, the oh we're the piece all right behind him now. <laughs> <laughs> hence the uh, the piece that people may have seen on the website. I kind of was watching him as much as I could for ninety minutes, um, and he was constantly pushing Ben Davies forward to support Sessegnon down that down that left flank, and then in the second half, well, he's he was not dying. picked any forwards. Of course, he's got to push the centre backs up. <laughs> There's no wards on the pitch. In the second half, is Eric Dyer who actually made a really good attacking impact and put in a really good couple of crosses and was nice little combination play down the down the flanks and getting to the byline. So that was the very clear tactic. They actually had 19 corners, which is the most that I can find on record in in Opta's uh, search uh, query tool. They had 35 crosses from open play, which is just which is ridiculous. It, no, it's, 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 it, it's, it's, it's these stats suggest that they overwhelmed Bournemouth for the whole yeah, but 90 it didn't minutes. Feel like that. No, I mean you. you you mentioned, you, you mentioned XG. It was actually only their fifth highest XG this season. So for all the possession and overwhelming and overlapping down the flanks and crosses and corners, they weren't creating very many clear-cut chances because obviously Bournemouth were, knew how to defend against that, just pack the box and try and head and clear, which they did very well for the, for the most part, which of course they could do when they're 2-0 up. Um, so it it, it, it it was more in their desire and their will to win and the momentum and regularity that they're attacking in the second half, which I haven't seen for a while, really. Even when they were 2-0 down to Newcastle, you know, Newcastle saw that game out really well and Spurs had no answer. But at least it was it was it was it was constant and you could see, and you could see how much they wanted to win it, and that's what Conte was pointing to afterwards. And I know we we say that's a that's a given with any team, but no, teams can fold when they're 2-0 down and they've lost two in a row in the league. So I, 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 I was impressed with how obviously with how they come back. It's so rare to come from 2-0 I mean, down. One, one thing, they really wanted it. Sorry, tiny bit of colour detail here um, Bournemouth of course didn't help themselves but helped the game of football by not time wasting um, we know that the game against Newcastle now is the officially the shortest game that the ball has been in place since Premier League records began 53 minutes um, they're cracking down this on Spain of course there's 10 and 11 minutes being regularly given now as added on time at the start at the end of the first and second half of games but they're not finishing until midnight but Bournemouth didn't game manage. They didn't try and, um, in American football terms, reduce uh, Tottenham's time of possession. Um, well, well, the play, the players didn't, but the ball boy did. Now, well, tell me about that because that that incident um, was <laughs> huge on Twitter. I can't speak for the real world because I don't know anything about the real world anymore. I live on Twitter. Um, hi, Elon, mate. Um, what, uh, what what happened with the ball boy? So I, was, I was it, amazed. Was it near it you or were the other side of the pitch? It was. Yeah, it was near me. Oh. I was amazed it wasn't shown. I, I got back, got back just in time for match of the day and, and expecting it to be a, a massive totally. talking point. And they, they didn't even show it, which I couldn't believe. Um, yeah, I was annoyed so, about yeah. that. Having not having not seen the game live, that was the key thing I wanted to see. Really, I can see the goals on YouTube like straight afterwards, thanks to the Premier League and Sky. That's great. But I want to see, <laughs> I want to see that, and then Alan Shearer make a sarcastic comment about it. And I've been denied that, and I think it's really unfair. I thought it was one of the Bournemouth subs at first because it's 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 not an eight year old ball boy here. No, he looked I he shoot, looked like he just had a shave, didn't he? 
Yeah, I, sh- I assume it's probably one of the academy players. Yeah, I think you know, like cl- under 15s or something, lot. I think, that apparently they used on there. Um, so I think I, he, he, he picked up the ball and held on to it, and then there was, a, there was a second ball that he sort of threw away at the same time, and Mora went up to, to confront him, and it was all a bit silly. And then the lad, basically, I think on the say-so of the linesman, um, was escorted out the stadium. Um, <laughs> Why? And sort of frog marched out. Bournemouth fans were, were booing and then applauding him. Um, and he looked, he walked right past me. He looked really close to tears, i got to say. Poor lad. Yeah. Um, Unlucky son. <laughs> Get out. Get out, you gotcha. Uh, I mean, of course, it could be possible that Lucas Mora um, was upset by the day's events and had probably heard back from home um, that his pet politician, the dreaded Bolsonaro, was going to lose the Brazilian election. And someone said to me this morning again on social media, oh, Lucas will be very upset, to which I, I replied, good. <laughs> you creep. <laughs> But backing up that horrible, horrible man, you know, let's go through the figures again. Brazil, 3% of the world's population, 11% of the world's COVID deaths because the president doesn't believe in it. Um, The set pieces thing. (laughs) Anyway, back to Ben Davis. Yeah, the set pieces thing. I can't remember, um, and sorry, uh, Tim, because you've got no reason to remember Spurs. Uh, I can't remember, James, when Spurs were particularly uh, set piece experts. And we've seen over the last four years them make absolute sow's ears um, of free kicks, but this thing of scoring from corners is actually quite fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I think every fan of every team, and Tim may may agree with this with his Wolves hat on in a second, but I, I think every fan of every team thinks their team are bad at taking set pieces, mm. like perennially, like every season, as corners especially. And for a long time, obviously, Spurs had this thing where Ericsson was trying to play that flat one into the near post, and I think they scored maybe three or four of those down the years but I think they were kind of weighted more towards the front of his time trying to do that and it was like a kind of four or five year thing but actually the reality of that is I think those numbers aren't I don't think the Spurs numbers were ever dreadful I don't think they were ever right down the bottom like you know they're a big team physically and they probably scored their fair share but this season it certainly has felt like and actually towards the tail end of last season as well before this guy has come in it's it's good to like to get a corner and to feel like maybe they'll score, maybe they'll try something different. And there have been a few times where they've tried something that has looked utterly shit. But I don't mind now because you know that the next time they'll try something completely different and that that might work. Oh, well, but I'm, how many I'm, do we know? How, how many are we up to now? Goals from corners. So uh, it's uh, like nine it, so far. Nine. Yeah, I was going to say eight. That's yeah. insane. That's, that's, that's an insane lot. number. You, you say that about expectation about something happening. I was getting a bit sick of Son taking them all at the weekend. Because you don't I, say. You know, well, it's um, it was the same against Sporting, right? He was ta- he was taking most of them, even though Perisic was on the pitch, and then it was it was Perisic who swung it in for the equaliser, and then Perisic came on after what probably about an hour or so on Saturday. I didn't notice him take one because they had nineteen, and you know you're trying to compile tweets and make notes and whatever, whatever. You don't notice who, the identity of every single corner taker when they've got nineteen corners. But anyway, the first time I I stopped and noticed Perisic taking a corner, I thought they're going to do something here, and that's when um. That's when Davis scored the equaliser. His deliveries are so good. He's got four assists from corners. He's taken 25 this season and um, set up four goals from those 25, which is an, an exceptional so return. So to put that, put that in shorthand, Tim, you were right. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the there, pod. There we go. <laughs> I, I, guess I've, the thing, I've I guess the thinking is, the key thing is the variation, right? So if he, if he took every single one, it would uh, kind I guess, of be easier I guess so, but, but because he's because he's because he's two footed, he can do either side, and yeah. and, um, and because he's a skilled and, and, man, he can take a near post corner, yeah, one exactly, that hits yeah. on top of the goalkeeper's area, or go to the back post, I presume, or hit the penalty spot if that's what he wants to do. 
Um, I mean, we should say in Son's defence, he, he has set up a couple from his, but I, I would much prefer Perisic to be taking the majority rather than Son taking the majority. Okay, let me yeah, uh, let me that. ask you one more question about the game, and um, this is at the risk of I can't remember it's my head or James's head that might blow off the top here. Tim, you were there. Did Spurs improve significantly when Emerson Royale, whose views on the Brazilian election I'm unaware of, was substituted? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, like I said, uh, Dyer kind of came into into that role supporting Sessegnon uh, and or Mora down the right-hand side. They were mixing it up quite a bit. He's just becoming, well, maybe he already is to you guys, but to me he's just uh, a, a sort of a sitcom character in, in the Frank Spencer mould, um, particularly in, in the last week with his with his no-look pass out of play against Sporting. <laughs> Magnificent. And we had quite a few complaints that we didn't mention that last week, by the way, on the pod. Well, there was quite, so a, lot to talk, to there was quite a lot to talk about about that game, sure. though, wasn't there? <laughs> but to some people that was a key moment, so apologies to everyone who was upset by that. So, 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 so there, were three, there were three really interesting things that happened in Saturday's game, none of which were shown on match today. We've already mentioned one about the ball boy. The second for me was Antonio Conte, not because, like I said, I was watching him for this piece, not celebrating the winning goal like a madman, like you would expect. He showed no emotion whatsoever. He had his hands in his pockets and he immediately turned round and walked down the tunnel, which is extremely unusual for a manager to do after a, 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 a moment Did anyone of, of, ask of, of extreme joy. Did uh, I, uh, yes, they did. Yes, I was about to, and then someone beat me to it. What did he say? Um, I, again, I'm amazed it wasn't shown on match today. It's such an unusual thing to happen. So basically, he had um, Kane's winner in inverted commas against Sporting firmly at the front of his mind. Here he Even is, sec- second second game in four days, stop his time winner. What what the hell is this this going to be ruled out for? Basically, so he went down the tunnel. He didn't explicitly say whether it was to watch it on replay or just to be calm and be out of the way. But either way, yeah, to not get sent off um, him, yeah, exactly. So he wanted to know that the goal was going to stand before he came back out. So he just went. He just went. In, uh, incidentally, one other tiny detail: watch the winning goal again. Benton Kerr puts that volley into the middle of the goal. Watch Harry Kane's reaction. He goes running into the goal to get the ball because he's forgotten <laughs> that Spurs have taken the lead, and suddenly he realizes and leaves. <laughs> he's half bent over the ball, and then he turns around and trots over to. The, he's the last one almost to arrive in the goal scoring in the in the celebration pile up at the side of the pitch because he was too busy retrieving the ball um, because he thought they still had to do something else in the game. No, sir, it's all about wasting time now um, and game management. Uh, just watch it again. I, I noticed out of the corner of my eye. Um, but yeah, sorry, you're asking me about Emerson Royale. So that was the, that was the second thing they didn't show, and the third thing they didn't show was this incred- incredible shot from Emerson Royale, where he's he's spinning 15 yards out from goal, the ball's sitting up nicely, I guess, for a volley, and he uh, puts it out the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's it's pretty rare in modern football, obviously, because the stadiums are so big, and yes, Bournemouth Stadium is pretty tiny, but it 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 would have it would have cleared most sort of two tier. You know, uh, Ewood Park. Why am I, I, think, I, think would, I think I think it would. I think it would still be out of Ewood Park. Um, you know, or, or the Reebok that that kind of size stadium. It was that high. It was that the bad. Reebok. That's it, massive. It, it, it landed. <laughs> in, that, that's how, no uh, way. Uh, but have you seen this? That's how bad it was. It was practically vertical. Honestly, it couldn't have been any worse. It was. I mean, and obviously everybody around us just started laughing. I mean, uh, and, I, Tim, um, I normally. Uh, 
for my own entertainment on Twitter, whenever something like that happens with Spurs, I get out that photograph of uh, Kim Jong-un looking uh, through binoculars at some, some observation post in North Korea, uh, waiting for the ball to enter North Korean airspace. I was so annoyed with the shot, I didn't even do it. I thought, it, it just will end up being bilious, Danny, don't do it. Um, it was it, well, Look, anybody can miss hit a shot, but if you add it to the blind pass and some of the stuff he's been doing, clearly though, and this is a serious point, Conte has decided that is the no joke intended. That's the Brian Hill he's going to die on, isn't it? That he is going to pick Emerson, whether you like it or not. He is going to pick him. And in fact, at times it feels like uh, two fingers up to the Spurs fans. Well, I thought it was interesting that he played in this match, Danny, because this was a team selected with Tuesday very much in mind. And uh, that, that maybe looks like a slight reversal in terms of first choice and that Matt Doherty will be, if Matt Doherty plays on Tuesday, then 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 that backs that up. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't just the comedy of this shot. It was getting beaten for the second goal by Keeper Moore. And I know Keeper Moore very good in the air, but still, he's been beaten by him. It was oh, the amount I think of times Roger he had, Moore he had, beat him um, in the air, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the amount of times he had the ball in a good position again, as usual, on the right in the box. But but he was just he was just scuffing his crosses with such bad technique. It just makes you question his nationality because he can't <laughs> he can't be Brazilian. He can't. Come Maybe that's on. why he wasn't upset by the electro result. It doesn't matter to him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I don't think Doherty's I, I don't think Doherty's fully Matt Sharp yet. He doesn't he hasn't done enough in what we've seen but to hang demand on, selection. Hold on. Uh, look, you're you're an expert. You make your living out of uh, thinking about football. I, I understand that. What does Matt Sharp mean? Because if Emerson is Matt Sharp, what difference does it make if you're no good? Yeah, well, he'd, he'd be you in my might team. As well, you done, might as well do, go to the gym, get yourself fit and present yourself down there at the training ground and say, I can play right wing back, I'm Matt Sharp, I'm ready to go, I'm fit. I think it's more it's more rhythm. Um, it's, been able, it's been able to go continuously for 90 minutes. I'm not sure Doherty's quite there yet. Um, but he'd certainly be in the first team, you know, ahead of Royale for me, who just isn't showing improvement, you know, from what I've got, I've I've got to say, I... I I mean, I, I've very much been calling for Doherty to be in the team through the whole season. And in the games he has played in the last month or whatever it's been, I don't think he's been great. Whether or not he's been better than Emerson, I think it's a not entirely straightforward question to answer. I mean, he's def- there have definitely been some things he's done better. And obviously, we know he's more confident, uh, competent in the attacking third. But I've not, it's not been like... It's not been like an obvious upgrade no, when he's no. coming to the team. No. Which, which, you know, I think if you're Conte and you're loyal to the player, the one player, I, I just don't think it's been enough to change his mind. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll change over the next few weeks, who knows, or in the second half of the season. And, of course, we don't get to see Jed Spence training with his, with his bootlaces tied together, which is obviously what's happening. Um, otherwise, how could he possibly not be given at least some kind of run-out? We'll see you against Nottingham Forest. It's a year on from Antonio Conte, and we've talked a lot really here about the the mysteries of what he's doing. Um, But I'd like you, first with your Spurs hat on, James, perhaps. I mean, I should say that Jack Pitbrook, uh, our regular friend and colleague here on The View from the Lane, has written a lengthy piece in The Athletic about Conte's first year. Um, Very good it is too. Uh, James, on a personal uh, tip, where we are, 365 days in, um, where do you stand with Antonio Conte, what he's achieved and what he hasn't achieved? I mean, I, I think it's important not to dwell entirely on the standard of football over the last two months. Like, I think as bad as it's been to watch and as frustrating as some of those recent results have been, you do need to look back at where Spurs were 12, 13 months ago 
and I know you know Tim is a big advocate of Nuno, but I, I, I've got to tell you, it wasn't going great. Yeah, I'm not a big advocate of Nuno at Spurs. Okay, fine. Um, we got that awkwardness out of the way. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, uh, look, I, I don't think many people would have expected Spurs to get into the Champions League last season f- from any point from Harry Kane deciding he wanted to leave through to I don't know. When did they get into the top four for the last time? For the first time, it was only sort of March, wasn't it? I think it might have been when they beat Newcastle. Maybe it was an amazing I think it was, run. It was quite far into the season. So you know that that has kind of he has put the club back on the map basically. When I mean, it felt like things were regressing at such a pace that their kind of status as one of the quote unquote big six was very much in question. Now they kind of do feel like they're. A major talking point again, even if much of it they have omitted to include all of the most interesting parts of the game. Uh, so I, 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 I would only really reflect positively on that as a whole. There are obviously some things in the last few weeks that haven't been great as a fan. Uh, but my main thought would be the same as it was at the summer. And I think I said this at the time. I'd, be far, I'd feel far more invested in... Antonio Conte has top the manager, and that as a project, if he signed a new contract. Yeah, and I guess that, that those are without, without you know just taking the words directly out of your mouth. Those are pretty reflective of my own views. I don't think you can argue um, with the results, the end results. The run to the Champions League was brilliant, um, and you know you can always say that Arsenal messed up. Um, I'm, I like saying it, so I'll say it again: Arsenal messed up, um, but Spurs got over the line, and Conte deserves all the credit for that. Um, and Paratici, who brought in the Juventus players and improved the team a, a, a good bit, um, that 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 it was fantastic. They're doing, you know, statistically they're doing fine. It's all about optics for me. The team looks horrible at the moment. It's clunky um, and turgid, um, and it's the same players were brilliant at the end of last season to watch. So you know, there's a bit of that. And of course, his his making everything about himself, the lack of a contract. The going down the tunnel without celebrating. I don't. I'm not one of those. I don't need my manager to be, uh, d- uh, you know, doing a performance at the side of the pitch. Get the team out there. Get them to play properly. By all means, come and get a round of applause when you've achieved, you know, a win or 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 a good run or something. I don't need. I don't need the sideshow. Um, and I know lots of younger fans really want the managers to be incredibly active on the touchline these days, showing their passion, that most overused of words. Because if passion was enough, then my friend and colleague Stuart Pearce would be Britain's greatest manager. But it isn't enough, I'm afraid to say. You've got other things going on as well. That's that. Tim, you're a neutral. You've watched them from afar. Now you're watching them with a jeweler's eyepiece. What have you made of Conte's first year in charge? I mean, in terms of where they were and where they are, you can't argue with that being an excellent job. Um, the issue is, what, you know, where they're going next. And, you know, you mentioned issues. Of, is the club beneath him? Does he want a club that's far closer to being a title contender? Is, is he angling and, lo- and looking for other jobs? You know, if, if he's here for two more years, which would equal the longest period he's managed at a club, then great. You know, not, not that you can plan that and not that he's above being sacked, but still, it would give them a much better chance in terms of recruitment. And that's where the contract issue does does become relevant because you know when when you're looking in next spring at next summer's transfers, you need to know that your head coach is going to be there, particularly when they've got such a, a particular style of play and formation that he likes to use, and he's very particular about the players he wants to play in that formation. So the key is the vision: how closely aligned are him, Paratici, and and Levy? Um, there are very important discussions to be had, and it'll be Conte's decision at the end of the day. I know the option is his, in Spurs' favour, but but it's very much in the balls no, of his the court. Options- 
it's, it's irrelevant. If he doesn't want to stay, he won't stay, will he? Exactly. Exactly. So if, if you know, Spurs want to win trophies in the next two years, I'd say they're unlikely to find uh, head coach Anne who gives who gives them as good a chance of doing that as him, given his record. Um, but it only works if he's if he's backed and there is that alignment above him. You know, right wing back. I know we keep talking about it being being a, a pertinent example because you know he 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 would want a different player in that position, and he's obviously unhappy that the club only signed Jed Spence in the summer. Um, I, I would say it certainly looks to me like the players are still invested in him, and I know it's easy after a two nil. Uh, reversal to 3-2 but the, you could really see that togetherness on the pitch at full time um, with certain players even with even, even, even Fraser Forster got a bear hug um, at full time and Jed Spence got, got a very uh, a very sort of polite hand clap um, but yeah um, I, I think I think you can still see that link is there you can tell when players aren't playing for a manager and, and I certainly don't see that at Spurs no, yet no, and that, that was that was great at the end uh, when, they, when they won the game and uh, you know obviously uh, tremendously exciting! I've got nothing but praise for the players for and the manager for pulling it round at Bournemouth. Um, I'm going to end this section and the year of Conte in charge with something that now seems stupid um, because they got the result of Bournemouth. But before the game started, the Spurs predictor league I'm in um, sent me my usual ten questions about how what would happen at Bournemouth, and there was a subsidiary. Now I'll give you the demographic here because everyone wants to, always wants to know about methodology of polls. Um, this is all Spurs supporters of some standing in terms of years going there so it's old white males let's be absolutely frank about this um and so uh, the, uh, the last question was in your secret heart and i'm looking at you james moore i don't want to i just want to see how your face responds in your secret heart of hearts the question said i've got it here in front of me he reads would you be happy if conte went no. to juventus in a week's time um, uh no no, no. Uh, oh, sorry is that uh, the whole question no, no, it's just, it's just i'm just going to end with a statement there are 14 people in that predictor league group. I'm top. Um, 12 of them said, yes, they would be happy if he went off to Juventus. So we have a discord here, a disconnect um, between what Spurs are doing and whether or not it's satisfying at least um, across the older, you know, Spurs fans over the age of 40. Very, very interesting indeed. But why, why, is, why, why is that, Danny? I know it's not a simple question to answer. Is, is, that, is that just style of football? I think, I think uh, judging from what I see in the, in the little group I'm in, um, which I tend not to contribute too much to because I need to keep my thoughts for, for high-paying alternatives like this, um, the, uh, the, I think the, and partially his non-commitment to the club just sits very, very badly and tastes rather bitter. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's Spurs, like every other football club, you can't be a half-Spurs manager or half-Spurs sport. You're either in or out, aren't you? It's like relationships. You're either bang into it or you're gone. Um, and I think I, it's interesting you say that because I, that's a first. That's bit. a first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because a lot of people I speak to, like like friends who are Spurs fans, I speak to like like privately. Yeah. Uh, In I, your I, private I, life, yeah, like, not this. Like, like they they want you know some of them quite emphatically want him gone or have wanted him gone, but like publicly. People aren't really tweeting that, and I've not heard any kind of sense. No, we're of, afraid in case he uh, just discord. throws his toys yeah, out of the. And there's not been any sense of like this, you know, for all the kind of murmurings and moaning at games, there's not been any kind of sense of, you know, there's not been anyone shouting or singing for him to go or whatever, or telling him to f no, off no, or whatever it else. Was, it's not. It's not been, you know, like the end of Mourinho would have been. I suspect had there been fans in the ground. But I do, I do think it does tie back to the issue of the contract, and I because 
what was so good as a fan under Pochettino, and again, to bring Tim into it of Wolves, it would have been the same, I think, under Nuno. I, I think we said before, Nuno is kind of Wolves' Poch, which, you know, it's pretty damning, but that is a reality. Um, you, you have the sense of a buy-in because you know it's a project, you know it's going somewhere. You know, it's like a longer term thing. You're not just judging each result. Uh, like you don't live or die by the next result or the last result. It's like part of a bigger journey. And under Pochettino, it became evident quite quickly that this was going to be like a longer term project. And it was about developing players and developing a style of football. And in that first season, 14-15, like, they ended up finishing fifth, but it was by no means an entirely smooth ride. There were a lot of bad results there and some quite bad performances. And some, you, know, hurt, you know, lost quite a few games like Stoke and Newcastle and whoever else at home. Um, but the fans were broadly on side because it was like a young team academy players a manager who had a clear philosophy and a great personality and everyone was buying into it I, I, my sense is that 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 not existing at the moment because partly because the manager is currently only contracted to the end of the season means that every result just feels like the be all and end all like it feels like it's a much bigger deal than, than it ever would have done before and, and you know it's, it's it, it, weird. To, to me, there's still a, a lack of identity with this team. And I don't just mean like the 11 on the pitch. I mean the current incarnation of Tottenham Hotspur as a club. It, it just feels like we don't, you know, like Conte is the manager, but how long is that going to last? Like they've signed some very good players in the last few windows, but it is not like an obvious kind of policy of transfers. Like, like you know, Richarlison's an established Premier League player who they signed for 15 million quid and is 25 peak age. Uh, they've signed some people like Romero and Hill and whoever else from other parts of Europe who are a bit younger uh, you know Benton Curran Kulisevsky they've gone to elite clubs and picked off fringe players from there and brought them in and they've done very well it's, it's not been like, you know, I, I'm not saying it's been bad but it hasn't been like a clear thing that's you, un, you, you don't really know what you're going to get if you know what I mean it's been a bit scattergun. And also, uh, uh, sorry, James, it's wearing isn't it if you're reliant on every single result for your uh, your feelings about about what the manager is doing, uh, and of course we are emotionally invested, and he, for all the performance on the sideline, is not emotionally invested necessarily. He's a professional. Well, I think he's emotionally invested in a different way, isn't he? In in his own success, which is fine. Yeah, that's yeah, sure. Not, that's reflected he isn't, in the team. He, he, I think obviously we got there quite quickly with Pochettino. Like he was emotionally invested in Tottenham as a club quite quickly. And Conte is a very different bloke. And there's good, there's good and bad yes, with that, course, by the way. There is because that emotional investment that Pochettino had. With Spurs, I think sometimes, you know, for example, and it's the thing we've talked about before, they held on to some of those players for way too long that they should have got rid of. And that was not just Ante Pochettino, but uh, there definitely was a sense that there was a, a degree of loyalty that maybe did cost Spurs a bit once they were kind of on that downward turn. Um, but but to me, that's, that is kind of the biggest issue. When you have a couple of bad results, it feels like this is the end because you don't know what's coming next. There's no sense of like... We'll rebuild, and this is how, and this is this is the methodology. It's just kind of yeah. This that's uh, uh, partly bought, born out of like bouncing between like three managers so quickly, or four if you include Mason. Uh, that uh, you know, it, it doesn't feel like a project. It just feels like a it just feels like a match by match. When it's going well, I'm gonna, I think I can. I think I happens. can sum this up. I think I've got it now. Thank you because I think you you brought some clarity to my, to my thought. When it's going well with Conte, that's fine. When it's going badly, the particular way he's dealing with the club and by extension, therefore, the supporters is that you feel like he's, he's, he's taking you hostage 
because, of course, it's very hard to see beyond him. You're not going to get a better manager, certainly not in terms of CV, or a more famous manager or a more successful manager. Um, and also, it would look chaotic if he suddenly walked away in the middle of what you know most people think is a two, two and a half, three year cycle. And so, I feel like I'm slightly t- t- chained to the radiator by him. And because I, I, I don't know, I, when, I, when they're playing horrible football, I don't want him. But nor do I want the alternative. So I mean, it's, it's a very difficult position to be yeah, in. Yeah, exactly, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, look, we, we wouldn't have been, well, you know, if we had gone back in time to the start of last season and said the next 14, 15 months will look like this, what's actually happened in this reality, or you take another two steps backwards with this progressive young coach, you know, some idiot on this podcast was talking about Jabby Alonso, I think. That, that was me. Uh, or someone like that, someone more left field and younger, who clearly would bring in like a more kind of developmental philosophy, and then kind of progress more slowly. You would, I definitely think we would have taken the immediate hit of getting back into the Champions League with a big name manager. Like I just don't think there's many people, any people, that would have ta- would have gone with the other option. So you can't like sit here and say we should have done the other thing. And I'm certainly not doing that. But I just think that is part of the reason there still feels like this slight disconnect. Uh, Tim, you should... Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is Tim, either, you should be way, charging but... £250 an hour to watch men lying on couches uh, counselling each other because that's what you would do if, you'd been a, if you were a professional uh, psychiatrist. Is that the word? Psychotherapist? I'm not sure what the exact phrase is here. Let's, let's, let's let it rest there. But, but, but like you're saying, he's done well. The team has done well. How they've done it is either difficult to watch or a complete mystery at the moment. Um, but they have done well. When we come back, we'll talk here on The View from the Lane um, about possible outgoings in the transfer window. It's almost impossible to think about because there's a World Cup in between. And we'll be looking forward on Halloween um, to the possibility of a brilliant result in uh, in southern France that will see Spurs into the last 16 of the Champions League. You're listening to The View from the Lane with me, Danny Kelly, Tim Spears and James Moore. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hello everyone, I'm Tony Jameson, the new host of the Football Manager Show, brought to you by The Athletic. Football Manager has quite frankly ruined my life, but I'd be completely lost without it. And if those words resonate with you, our podcast will be right up your street, with FM23's release inching closer and closer. Every week, myself and Aaron Falloon, aka RDF Tactics, Take a deep dive into our most recent saves. We speak to the makers of the game about how to crack it and take on wacky community challenges suggested by our loyal listenership. So if that sounds like a bit of you, make sure to subscribe to the Football Manager Show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.
Once again, with McNamara's band to the view from lane with James Moore, Tim Spears, and me, Danny Kelly. Just a, a thought about the, tra- the January transfer window. The, the, the continuing bits and pieces in some of the less dis- less reputable parts of the press is that Son is not uh, is not keen to stay much longer and wants to go somewhere where he can win things. The usual blather. Um, but Tim, the, the 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 name in the in the in the frame at the moment is Real Madrid. Haven't they got Vinicius Junior in that position? Um, but I suppose I'll ask you a more positive question. If Spurs got a massive offer for Son Heung Ming right now, should they take it? No, no, absolutely not, because they're, they're, there's no one else to play. So um, I, I, I can't see that happening in January at all. I, I find that a pretty ludicrous sort of notion that Spurs would, would sell one of their very best players in January. Um, when they've got so many squad issues at the moment, I mean, he's, he's not been he's not been himself lately, and it's not like he's missing chances necessarily, but it's more that he's not getting in uh, the positions and he's lacking that sort of zip and that vigor to to get in those positions. Uh, I don't know if it's a confidence issue or not, really, but he definitely misses Kulisevsky more than anyone, you know, f- for me. Um, it was noticeable, and again, I spoke about this earlier, but it was noticeable how how Conte made a beeline for him. Twice after the match at Bournemouth, but you know, like properly, like he had him in a headlock. I thought he was. I thought he was. Was it a positive or damage. negative headlock? Would you say? No, it's one. He, he went. He went in for a really big hug okay. at first. Then he went. Then he went to see some other players, and then he came back, and he had him in a sort of headlock because they were sort of side by side walking off the pitch. Um, I don't know if that was because he'd helped set up the winner or just his general contribution in, in the game, but they've obviously, you know, certainly seems like a pretty close bond. Um, I, I I can't see that happening at all in in, in January. It's 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 maybe an issue for the summer if he doesn't regain his form, um, because obviously time is ticking in terms of his age and his value, but um, but it won't happen in January. Okay, I mean the 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 issue here is a wider one, uh, James. And you know, uh, Spurs over the years have occasionally sold their better player, the best player in the team, if you like, or one of the two best players. I'm I'm not in, I'm not for it in principle, but other clubs do it and renew. Uh, Spanish clubs do it. That is the way they work outside of the big two, but that may be the reason why they have to do it. Um, but I'd be more confident about this if Spurs had ever shown any inclination to replace the best players when they sell them. They, they get great praise because Daniel Levy screws the last penny Euro Son team and Sue out of the buying club. But Carrick went and wasn't replaced. Berbatov went and wasn't really replaced. Bale went and they replaced him with a scatter gun. The club, and I know, I know that Prince Jack Pitbrook thinks it's one of the weaknesses of Tottenham. They just don't seem to know how to rotate um, players, and that's why another reason, apart from being such a good footballer, I wouldn't want Son to go. So I've got very little confidence that they would um, equal him or upgrade him um, in the transfer market. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, having been stung by this so many times before, maybe, I, maybe I'm kind of setting myself up for a fall here, but. The recruitment in the last few windows, despite despite my famous uh, insistence that it wasn't an incredible window, the summer just gone. The players they've brought in, I think, have been good. I, I don't think they. I, I don't think we're looking at it and thinking they've signed big money duds like they did, you know, sort of Soldados and Paulinos and everyone else before that. Uh, so I probably would have slightly more faith than uh, I, I would have done in the past. But it is a massive punt, that isn't it? Like it's get look, look the, that's the reality. You know, Son and Kane are twenty eight and twenty nine, I think, and they'll be twenty nine and thirty next summer. Um, 
Kane has... I'm just going to chuck Kane in there as well, by the way, just to make this even more painful yes. for us. Kane has, what, he'll have a year on his contract next summer? Son will have two. Uh, so, yeah, it is a time for those decisions, I guess. For Not just for the club, but for the players as well. Um, well, sorry, on, on Kane, you know who's not doing us any favours at the moment? Former Stoke City legend Eric Matzing Chupamoting, who is, with five goals in the last five games for Bayern Munich, proving without doubt that the pretense that they could do without centre-forward and they let Lewandowski go is completely wrong. And Chupamoting's success at the moment is making the, 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 the hierarchy of Bayern Munich go, oh yeah, imagine if we had a proper centre-forward how this team would be going. Um, that's just that's a side trip. If it happens to be a fact at the moment, well, they don't need him then, do they? They've got two points. Thirty-three. They don't need well, how long? Yeah but, yeah, but Lewandowski scored goals for them. Tell you with what, like thirty-five, thirty-six. Great. Well, that, that, that's so, all. Then that's good. That's fine. No, fine. Eric's the man. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a difficult question. I, I I don't. As Tim says, Son won't go in January. I'd be very surprised if he went in the summer. I, this I, I don't know what this story is and where it's no. come from, but I, I certainly that's something I think that I see happening imminently. There's just nothing. All right. In the history of the way things have worked at Spurs, I suggest that would be the case. All right. Other press reports suggesting that um, fringe players, as they're described, including Jed Spence, but also uh, Tanganga and Brian Hill, will be moved on in January, presumably on loan. I'm guessing. Um, has Brian Hill changed that, uh, Tim, in the last two games? Uh, not so much on Saturday, but certainly against Sporting. I thought it was um, a pretty effervescent cameo, as we've seen a few times from him in the Champions League. Uh, this is the first time he'd been using the in the Premier League this season, interestingly. Um, Conte spoke about him pretty well on Friday and said, you know... Um, I guess he's kind of learning to trust him. He compared him, Danny, to uh, Bernardo Silva in terms of style of play and said you know the, but the issue why he's he's nowhere near being Bernardo Silva now is purely down to his physicality and he said that's something that that he that he has to improve on um certainly if he's going to play regularly in the Premier League and he said the sporting game and then I guess therefore the Bournemouth game as well was a very particular circumstance where Spurs were in full on attack mode and the opposition were in full on defense mode and that's that's the kind of game that you that Brian Hill can can come on and create space and 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 do um unpredictable things on the ball that others in Spurs' team can't so He's he's a pretty important squad member right now. Um, whether that's a different picture in January or not, I guess we'll see in terms of injuries and and who the hell comes back uh, fit and fresh after the World Cup. But again, I see it as pretty unlikely um, after the exertions that the majority of Spurs' squad are going to be going through in the next few months that uh, that he'll be allowed to leave in January. But if 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 Nottingham Forest do dump Spurs out of the Carabao Cup, then you may as well say Jed Jed Spence out on loan because he's not going to be he's not going to be playing for Spurs, is he? Uh, we, again, it's it's so it's often fun as we head towards um, goodness. We're not we're not even past bonfire night yet. Um, uh, 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 not even past Halloween yet. As we head towards January, start speculating about transfers. But I say all of this is going to be very much affected by the weird schedule and the World Cup. So uh, we we can, can we can conjecture all we want. I, I think it's all very very fluid and nebulous until we get there. Which takes us to Tuesday night, a Tuesday night that I hoped in Marseille would be essentially um, Spurs' one-and-a-half team uh, passing the ball around at the back for 90 minutes, playing out a meaningless draw um, and confirming their place at the top of the group. Um, of course, the uh, intervention of VAR means that's not going to happen. I don't think Spurs deserve to beat Sporting, by the way, um, last week, but you don't deserve to have that goal chalked off. And take away the conspiracy theories about D- Danny McKelly, uh, my near namesake, 
Take away all that. The fact of the matter is, UEFA, four days on, five days on, have not produced the 3D image of Kane offside as promised. And because they, they can't, because he wasn't. Um, and there's no physical evidence that he was. They, they, so, you know, we, ha we have to suck that up. And you could argue that these things are leaving themselves out. Ask me after the result on Tuesday, because they have to go there and get something now. Uh, James, how will he approach this? Because it looks very tempting for Antonio Conte if you need a draw to play for a draw. But I'm not sure you could do that in the modern game. That is the odd saying, isn't it? But I, I would be very surprised if it, they went, especially gung-ho. I mean, they're going to sit in and try and play in a counter-attack, aren't they? Marseille need to win the game. Yeah. So they're going to have to come out. This would be a very uh, good week for Dr. Tottenham to retire, by the way. We're playing first Marseille, who have won one game at home this season. And then we're playing Liverpool, who are terrible away from home at the moment. Dr. Tottenham needs to stay um, in his caravan, wherever he lives, um, and not turn up for work in the next two games for Spurs. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realise the home record was quite as bad as that. They're, 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 um, they're, 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 they're funny team, um, Marseille, they've really struggled under Igor Tudor. He's managed to fall out with all of the senior players, um, and there is a feeling they have concentrated their efforts on the Champions League group because they had a terrible record. For a team, for a team that's former champions of Europe, albeit under um, questionable circumstances, they had, in the last four or five years, they've had the most appalling record in Europe. I think they've been trying to turn that round. Plus, of course, they've got a, a smattering of, of ex-Arsenal gits in and around their team. Um, I mean, what I would say is it'd be good if we could see like a return of the old Son and Kane link-up, assuming they're going to play, or assuming Conte's going to play 3-5-2 again. I mean, I could be wrong there. Um, but the possibility of sitting in and trying to play on the counter-attack with those two at it, at it would... Uh, would definitely be good. I mean, I, 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 I was kind of not that impressed with Marseille in the first game. I mean, they were fine. I obviously, you know, Spurs sat off them and let them have a lot of the ball in the first hour of the game, but then managed to kill them off relatively easily in the last twenty minutes. Obviously, that red card was a factor. I mean, they, they should they should have enough to get the result, but. You know, it's like away from home, somewhere like that. And I know one stand is closed, but obviously it's going to be a bit rowdy. The yeah, it's great atmosphere normally at the, uh, at the Bellodrome. It's it's uh, not an easy place to go, as they say, uh, despite what you're saying about the result, <laughs> despite what you said about them being utterly shit at home. Uh, so what you're, what you're really saying is we should be really confident and my pessimism is misplaced. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, right? I don't think we should be afraid of Marseille away. I, I take what you say about the atmosphere and as long as that doesn't... Uh, it's going to be the biggest game of the season yes, for them, right? As long, I, I'm not taking the don't. Um, as long as the crowd don't affect the officials, I mean, you know, it's the same as always, isn't it? You go out there... Well, it didn't work last week, a, did it? No. Um, it's 11 against 11. Um, and, the, the, you know, the, the, the 40,000 people screaming can't actually affect the flight of the ball. They can't get on the pitch. Tim, um, what are you expecting on Tuesday night? I mean, James makes a good point about Marseille needing to win and that <clears throat> could spur, should suit Spurs' counter-attacking style in theory. But the problem with Spurs at the moment is I'm not sure what the formula is is for them to go and get a result anywhere at the moment. Um, you know, the, the, the clamour for 3-5-2, uh, myself included in that, the, you know, the myth of that was sort of debunked at Old Trafford when they got absolutely pasted um, playing that formation. They obviously played it again at Bournemouth and were 2-0 down after an hour. So it's not as if you can say, oh, they'll play 3-5-2, bring Basuma in and, and be hard to beat and hit them on the break because they just look pretty porous at the back at the moment. Um, I think he'd like to play 3-4-3, but, you know, Lucas Moura um, and Brian Hill, I, I find it unlikely that either of them would would start in this game. So you just, you just hope that 
the second half of Bournemouth's given them a little bit of confidence and belief because that's been pretty brittle um, of late. I guess if I was a, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd say I'll, I'd be extremely worried about Alexis Sanchez or Dimitri Payet um, scoring the winning goal. Or Gwen Doozy. Or Gwen scoring a weekend yeah. in your last week. Oh, he's week, miles right? away, the best definitely. player this season as well. Um, That'd be the worst. And, and you know, we'll be in the French squad for the World Cup uh, and uh, in a very, very, very deep and good French squad. I met him once. He was quite a good bloke. But okay, I mean, well, I, that's a horrible I, thing to hear. You know, well, I met. So I went uh, to went behind enemy lines. This is the last like thing I did at four four two. Went behind enemy lines on Arsenal. Your story career at four four two. Thank you. Uh, photo shoot, and, and uh, he he was a very nice bloke. But some of the other players I met were absolute not nice blokes. Well, I put it that way. Well, I'm glad to hear that Grand is a good bloke because he doesn't, you know, appearances on football pitches are, are obviously d- deceptive. Um, anybody want to make a case for it being better for Spurs to get out of the Champions League? No. No. Because they're going to, no. I, I can see, I, I would disagree with it. I can see, like, why people might think going out of Europe completely is good. I mean, I think but, I think that's insane because that's, you, that's you're, only option, playing, you're only playing to exactly you're only playing to get back into it anyway. Yeah. Um, so no, no, quite. They've got, they've got to get through. Like, I mean, the, the reality of it is that they're going. If they, the most likely thing is if they go through, they'll probably finish second. I mean, oh, they win the group if they win the game. I guess. Is that yeah. Right? Maybe. Yeah. Well, and you know, they've got to try and go through, win the group, and, get and then it's a cup competition. And, and as we've, as we've seen in the past, anything can happen. And, and you know, and yeah, you just need some questionable VAR. The to go VAR, your way. the VAR officials now they they did us proud in in, in the run to the final. Now they've done us badly. We, we it's balanced out. Maybe we, we can get another good decision somewhere uh, down the line. Uh, listen, thank you very much indeed. Uh, I, I, I won't go on more about this game because I'm actually very nervous about it. My 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 thing that Spurs should be okay um, is balanced out by you know. It's a football match, not an exhibition. We'll see what happens. Um, I think I should advertise the fact that if if Spurs go out, if it's an absolute calamity, um, we'll be doing the podcast very, very soon after the game. You'll hear it very quickly. If not, we should be. If Spurs go through, we should be lighting a fat cigar, and we'll be back on Thursday in the normal way of these things, having celebrated with prosecco uh, and all that sort of good stuff. Um, thank you very much indeed, Tim, and thank you and well done at the curse has so far been listed. Finally. I'm pleased I, for I, I it. I hadn't considered this guess. I, I hadn't thought of that. And to be honest, the last time Charlie uh, disappeared on uh, paternity leave, it all fell apart then as well. They were like top of the league when Charlie went before. Yeah. What, I mean, I, I, I'm, oh, I'm worried now. What are you suggesting? That we should put some kind of bolster down the middle of Charlie's bed? <laughs> I think yeah, you are. Think, uh, exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I think actually, you yes. are. Yeah, I know. I, I was trying to find a polite way of saying it, you know. But uh, that's <laughs> no, exactly. I didn't worry what you were going to say. No, no, that's exactly what we should do. All right, listen. Thank you very much, James, as well. Fingers crossed for Tuesday night in France, and uh, once again, um, a year of Antonio Conte and the mysterious ways of this Spurs team, which, of course, have made the podcast such fun to do. Um, now, thank you as well for all the kind words about the Jurgen Klinsmann podcast. Um, really, really nice p- things being said about it, and particularly um, by people who are probably not listening now because they're not actual fans of Spurs. Um, but I thought it was a great football interview. Thank you very much indeed for all the kind words about that. Um, remember, there's um, J- Jack's long piece about Antonio's first year uh, in charge of Spurs is in The Athletic right now. And if you're not already an Athletic subscriber, you can read that. 
plus all the other brilliant Spurs stuff that's on the site and much else besides. Um, just go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod and sign up right now for just £1 a month for six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. Thank you all for listening. Good luck, Spurs in Marseille. We'll be back again Tuesday night, Wednesday or Thursday, depending on the result. The Athletic. <laughs>